Amen. So glad that you're here this morning, and I know as we've already sung and you've been in this place, we do not come here, we do not come here to celebrate today to pay homage to a dead man. No, we come here today not to merely remember this man named Jesus who lived so long ago. No, we come here today because we celebrate the fact that Jesus is the Christ and he is alive today. 2,000 years ago, he died a violent death on a cruel Roman cross. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And it was there that Jesus said, it is finished. And he was saying, my work is complete. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. It has been finished. It is complete. I have paid the price for the salvation of humankind. It was the writer of Hebrews who said Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And what that tells us this morning is that Christ has done all that can be done in order to bring salvation to the world. He's done it. And that is what we celebrate this day. As we watched the video and we heard in the last song that we sang, Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. And it's there that his enemies thought that all was lost, that that's all there was to it. But on the third day, the Spirit of God entered that cave and breathed life into his nostrils and his lungs, and he stood to his feet, and he discarded the, the shroud of death. And he walked out of the grave victorious over the death, and he lives today. And over the next 40 days, he appeared to his followers on many occasions, giving them proof that he is in fact who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so it is on this Easter Sunday that we begin this new series called Jesus because we want to take a look at his life. We want to take a look at, at more examining closely who this person is. And we hope you will be back with us over the next few weeks. Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it really symbolizes what God wants you to do, me to do. You see, through the power of the resurrection of Jesus, we have the opportunity for new life. It was Paul who said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I can't think of a better day than to be thinking about that in our own lives. When you think about Christ's followers, his closest disciples, after the resurrection, you saw a huge difference in them. You see, they began to get an understanding of who Jesus was. All those who had abandoned him now returned. To, and you soon find them in the Gospels preaching the good news of Christ, doing everything they could anywhere, anyway. In spite of all the opposition and the persecution and even the threat of going to prison, they did that because they loved him and they understood it. And that's how they lived the remainder of their lives. We understand from history that nearly all the apostles died a martyr's death, living for him. Why is that important? Because it tells us that they were not only changed, that they were transformed. And it's no different for you and me today. 
God is wanting us to be transformed. He's wanting us to live in a transformational power that is beyond this world's understanding. And so when I thought about what to preach today, I couldn't get away from this. What is this? Today, I think many people's lives have good form, but there is no content behind it. Let that sit there a minute. I think today we are good about the picture that we put forward. But what is really going on in the content of us inside? We're going to read in Matthew chapter 7, if you have your Bibles this morning, where Jesus talks about this kind of person. And his words are very unsettling. If you came today to be comfortable in the church service, can I just give you a pre-warning? You're not going to be. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 13. We also use an app here called the Bible app, and you're welcome to go there, look under events, and you will find under our zip code here, 41075, you will find Highland Hills Church, and you can click there and see the notes and the scriptures for today. Let's look at these words of Jesus beginning in verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In this passage, we see that it's possible to be religious. It is possible to look like a Christ follower and still miss out on being in a true relationship with God. I can't think of a more important message this Easter than to talk about this, than to talk about the packaging versus the contents of the package. You see, being religious, it's not enough, even if you're good at it. And many of us, we're good at it. We're real good at it. If you want to have a relationship with God, you have to go beneath the surface of religion, and you have to experience Jesus Christ for all that he is and experience what is true heart change in your life. 
Because here's why. The outside package is not enough. You have to have content. You see, what's interesting to me is that we're not as concerned about what's in the package as much as we are with the package itself. Do you get that? We're more concerned with the package than what's inside it. And that's the way our culture has pushed us. I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, man, do you realize that when you buy, how many of you buy uh, microwavable dinners or TV dinners, as we used to call them? Anybody? Anybody? Now, when you buy them, do you realize that you're paying more for the packaging than you are the food that's on the inside? Right? I mean, that doesn't sound very you know, appetizing, but it's true. And it doesn't make sense in our brain. It doesn't make sense that it should be that way. But the manufacturers know that if the package isn't attractive, people won't buy it. That's why advertising and marketing is such a huge, huge thing. And when I think about that, our society, our culture, it tends to value the package over the content. And many of us in this room, we've bought into that in our walk with God. The fact is, good packaging is easier to maintain than good content. It's true. It's easier to project an image than it is to develop substance behind the image. And many of us are okay with that. But here's the problem. The problem with putting all of your energy into developing a good package that outward appearance of your life, eventually the contents get opened. Eventually it will be revealed. Some of you this morning, if you're trying to project this image of success and everything is great, but you are living beyond your means, eventually it's going to catch up with you. If you are here this morning and you're projecting an image of having that perfect marriage and family life, but your relationships are filled with anger and they're filled with hostility, it eventually is going to catch up with you. If you're here projecting this public image of being a moral person, but in the private life of your life, you are living a life of sin, you are living a life that you know that is not good, it will eventually catch up with you. Eventually, the package gets opened and people see what's inside. What else am I getting at? Listen to the words of Pastor Paul Washer. He said, I want you to know that the greatest heresy in the American church is that if you pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, he will just come in. You will not find that any place in Scripture. You will not find that anywhere in church history, Baptist history, until almost 50 years ago. What you need to know is that salvation is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And faith alone in Jesus Christ is preceded and followed by repentance, a turning away from sin, a hatred for the things that God hates, and a love for the things that God loves. Growing in holiness and a desire to not be like the world. 
In one more sentence, he says, and not to be like the great majority of American Christians. but to be like Jesus Christ. You see, good form, the pretty package, it's not enough. If you don't want your life to be one big cover-up, Jesus shows us this morning some things that we've got to do, some things that we've got to take to, 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 to understanding this content of our lives and where it needs to be. Let's walk through that this morning. The first thing is this. You and I need to be walking the path of righteousness. You and I need to be walking the path of righteousness. Look back at verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Can I tell you, I don't think Jesus was saying this with a smile on his face. It doesn't make him happy that only a few find the way. You see, Jesus indicates that one of the principal signs of being a genuine Christian is that you walk in the narrow way. As you heard what I shared from Paul Washer, you know what the you know what the you know what the, the genuine Christian in America is? You prayed a prayer one time. But what does scripture teach? Examine ourselves, test ourselves daily that we're, that we're on the narrow path because a Christian will be different and will be on the narrow path. Now listen, I'm not saying this morning that as Christians, what? We know, we, we are not without sin. <laughs> There's not one perfect person in this place today. We know in 1 John it says that we learn that Christians do sin. And if any man does not acknowledge his sin, though, he knows not God. So what's the difference? Here's what I believe and here's what Scripture teaches us. That if you are generally a born-again Christian, a child of God, you will walk in the way of righteousness as a way of life. And... When we do fail, when we do sin, if we step off that path of righteousness, the Father will come for you. The Holy Spirit, the Father will come for you and he will nudge you and he will discipline you and he will show you. He will put you back on that path. But if you profess to have gone through the narrow gate but you live in the broad way, if you live like the rest of the world lives without Christ and look like them, just like the rest of much of the culture, there will be no nudging of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not getting the nudge of the Holy Spirit to put you back on the path, you may not know God. Now, what I love here is we look at the original language of the word translated find here in our English. It's interesting. 
because this is never used to describe this intense yet futile kind of search for something that's hard to find. No, it's used to describe something that is found simply by making the effort to look for it. In other words, God has not made it hard to know him. The implication is not that many people look for the way yet never find it. The implication is that not many bother to look. And maybe you're here today and this is the first time you've been in church ever. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a long, long time. Why is that? Because maybe you've not been bothering to look for God. And you don't really want to walk with God more than just Easter Sunday. And God's got something so much more valuable and bigger for you. We see, when it comes to packaging versus content, most people settle for the good packaging and search no further. I'm good. Yeah, I love God. I'm good. It looks good to everyone else here, right? But if we truly want to follow God, if we truly want to be a Christ follower, all we have to do is truly seek him and we will find him. Just the other day, my middle daughter Summer was looking for the butter in the fridge. And we have one of those like, you know, uh, you know dark tan, beige, whatever, country crock tub of butter, right? Or whatever it is, right? Sorry, country crock. And so, I mean, you know, this is a big old container in the fridge. And Summer's like, I can't find it. Summer, it has to be in the fridge. It would be nowhere else. I still can't find it. Summer, have you looked on the top shelf? Yes, I still can't find it. Summer, it is a big tub. You cannot miss it. And finally you hear Summer go, Oh, it's right here in front of my face. <laughs> Ever done that? Yeah. God has not made us hard to find him. Deuteronomy 4, 29, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen, if you want to build something beyond the surface of your life, You've got to look farther than the surface of your life. You're not going to find the, the life that God has for you right on the surface. He's got something bigger for you. You have to look beyond the surface. And it takes effort to do that. It takes a desire to do that. That's why the narrow way is, left tra is less traveled. The easy way is, is merely to pretend to be religious, but the narrow way is to seek to become more like Jesus every day. Few people bother to look for the narrow way. But those who do will find it. I pray that you want your life to be more than just good pack packaging, that you want to walk the path of righteousness that God has for you, which is his best. Now, secondly, this, you need to be examining the contents of your life. You need to be examining the contents of your life. 
Very quickly, look back where he talks about fruit here in verses 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come for you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, now let's just be, let's get this right, because yes, Jesus, in a sense here, is speaking in generalities, because obviously a good apple tree may turn out a bad apple every now and then. But that doesn't mean the tree's worthless. But, if an apple tree turns out a a bunch of bad apples over and over and over and over and over, it's an indication that something's wrong with the tree. And so Jesus is talking about how we can know false prophets, but he's also talking about how we can know ourselves. Here's the test. By their fruit, you will recognize them. What is the fruit? What is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? Because here we've got to know after reading the whole passage a minute ago, he's not talking about works. He's not talking about the things that we do. He's talking about, and he later uses this example of people who had performed amazing works yet never knew him. That's why he's not talking about works here. What's he talking about? Personal holiness. He's talking about Christ-likeness. The same fruits that Paul talked about. Galatians 5, 22, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits by which we're known. And those are the fruits that you must look in your life. Do you have them? Remember that examining thing? Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that, Je- that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Wow. Each of us need to take a long, hard look at our fruit. At the fruit of our lives that are being produced? Do you treat others with love? Do you have a sense of joy about you? Do you experience God's peace? Are you patient when things don't go your way? Do you treat other people with kindness? Do you do good when you have the opportunity? Are you faithful to God? Are you faithful to your spouse? Are you faithful to your children? Are you faithful to your boss? When you have conflict or correction has to happen, do you do it with gentleness? Or do you fly off the handle? Do you practice self-control? What else? Is Jesus an accessory or is he the center of your life? Do you look like the world? Do you act like the world? Do you love the joys that the world experiences without God? Are you loving sin and relishing in it? If that's you, and there's no nudging of the Holy Spirit, and you absolutely love relishing in those things, you may not know God. Here's the point. If our examination turns up nothing but rotten fruit, 
Something has to be fixed. And here's the great news. Is that we can come to God. And we can say to God, and you can say that even here this morning, Lord, the content of my life is not where it should be. Take away the anger. Fill my heart with love. Take away the bitterness. Fill my heart with joy. Take away the turmoil in my heart and fill my heart with peace. Take away everything about me, Lord Jesus, that isn't like you. Because examining the fruit of your life, even though it can be painful, it's rewarding. If you want good content rather than just good packaging, examine the fruit of your life. I have one more. For some of us in this place, we, we need to get to just know God. We need to get to know him. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did your, in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Three phrases jump out at me. First one is this, the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. You see, the person who enters the kingdom of heaven is the one who does God's will. He makes it plain. Not doing what you want, doing what God wants. Surrendering your will to his will. I'm afraid that there are some of us, maybe many of us, who want the blessings of God, but we want our will to still be top. And it doesn't work. It will not work in your life because as you don't surrender to, to, you know, surrender to God's will, to your will, and your will is always at the top, you'll never be where God wants you to be. So letting him call the shots in your life, that's what this means. Listen, I have to ask myself questions like, I know I'm busy, but am I, what I'm really doing, what God's wanting me to do. The other phrase that sticks out to me is, away from me, you evildoers. And remember, he said this to, to those that were, you know, believed they were followers and those that had prophesied and cast out demons and performed miracles all in his name. But what does he call them? Evildoers. And so here you have these that thought they were in great standing with God. And they stand before him, and what are they doing? They're standing before the Lord, and they're justifying themselves because of all the wonderful things they did in the name of Jesus. Yet the sad truth is they were completely self-deceived. Their lives and their words here show they loved and trusted themselves and not God. Because if their trust had been in God, their appeal to him would have been based on what Jesus had done for them, not their works. There are religions out there today that's going to tell you to be in good standing with God, you do this, 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 and this. But Jesus Christ has already paid the price once and for all. It does not matter how good or how zealous for God you are, your righteousness before him, the scripture tells us, is as filthy rags. We come to God on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, or not at all. There's one more phrase that sticks out. 
Jesus says, I never knew you. Can you imagine these folks are standing there to justify themselves, and Jesus is like, away from me, I never knew you. And there is no turning back at that point, folks. There is no do-overs at that point. You see, the great news here is this tells us exactly, this phrase tells us what Jesus really wants. We hear it all the time, and the most important thing that we hear on the face of the earth all the time is to know Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something that's not true? The most important thing in the face of the earth is that Jesus knows you. And I'm afraid that we have some people sitting in this church today that Jesus doesn't know you. And the good news is, is you can still do something about it today. Jesus has not returned. Or God forbid, North Korea has not put a big old missile down in the middle of the United States. And I'm not here to to scare you or to, to make you walk out of here in fear today. But folks, we do not know what tomorrow holds. Jesus wants more than anything to be able to say, I know you and I love you. And it's a personal relationship that he seeks. And it's one that we must seek with him. It's not about a class. It's not about stepping through uh, the hoop that a church wants you to step through. It's not about walking an aisle and saying a prayer. It's saying, Lord, I believe you are Lord. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I give you all that I am. Why? Because eventually the package of your life is going to be opened and everyone will be able to see what's inside. And more than that, one day it's coming sooner than you think that God will look at the contents of your life one last time. What will he see? What will he see? If your private life today is not where it needs to be, It can change today. God can help you build the content of your life into something that pleases him, but you have to be willing to surrender your will to his. Be one of the few that walk the path of righteousness. Examine your life and look at the contents. Take away the things that don't look like him. Get to know him. Strive to know him more and more every day and do his will. Because that is what will define the difference between good packaging and the content. Jesus is alive today. And I'm so thankful that God loved us so much, loved you so much, loved me so much. That a sin entered the world, he didn't leave it there because what we deserve is death. But he has made us a way unto life. His resurrection proves to us that he is who he said he was. What was Jesus' words in John 14? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. And my heart is pleading with you today 
If you don't know him, step out in faith and give your life to him today. Maybe you've prayed a prayer in the past and you thought you know you have known him, but maybe you really didn't. You can change that today. New life, his life in us. What will people see? I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want to just talk through a couple of questions. Everybody just lean in. We're almost done. Some of you here this morning, as you've heard this, and you've heard that Jesus has paid the price for your sin once for all, He did that because, as I said, we were destined for death. And we are still destined for an earthly, physical death that none of us can avoid. And one day we will face judgment before God. And He will say, I know you or I do not. And if you're here today and you have never said, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Please save me. Please save me from that death I am destined to, to live forever. The kingdom of heaven is not for everyone. The kingdom of heaven is only for those who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They put their faith and trust. And today maybe you are ready to make that decision. And if you are, I hope you are. I want to talk with you about that. My prayers, no one in this place here. The words, I never knew you. We're going to give you that chance as we sing. I'll be down front. You come. I'd love to pray with you. We have other counselors all over this room that would love to talk with you. Maybe some of you are here today and after kind of examining your heart, examining your life, examining the fruit of your life, if you will, you realize you are on the Broadway right now. That can change at your seat at this altar, saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I surrender it completely because I've not done that, and I've definitely not done that recently. On this Easter Sunday, as we think about Jesus raising to life, will you be raised to life in, in your habits today? Maybe some of you here this morning, God is really convicting you about the fruit in your life. And that conviction is probably that the fruit's not happening. Repent of that. Maybe today you're just dealing with stuff. We call it baggage. We call it stuff. Sometimes we need to just stop, right, and get on our face, pray. Say, Lord, help me. Just help me. Help me through this. If that's you, this altar is always open to pray at your seat. We also have some prayer counselors that would love to pray with you if that's something that you would like to do up here down front as we sing. What does God see in your life today? Father God, I thank you for your word. 
And I pray right now, we respond over this place, that we don't let the plans of Easter and all the different things cloud. Because right now, Father, we need to be leaning into you, leaning into what your purposes is for our life. Those are great things, God, you've given us to enjoy, family, friends, Easter egg hunts, all those things. But Lord, what will be said of us by you? What do others see? Do we care more about the package than we do the content? I pray we respond to this place in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to stand if you'd like or sit, whatever you'd like as we sing. But this is our chance to always respond at our seat at this altar as the worship team leads us. You come. You come.